pray a moment. Lord, thank you this morning. We invite you now, Holy Spirit, to come and fill our hearts and our minds, to fill my words, and to open the scriptures that we might be led to Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to see all of you this morning. I hope and trust you had a good and hopefully restful Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully you didn't have to practice too much forgiveness over that time period. Uh, but, you know, it, it, everything is a spiritual practice along the way. Uh, today we begin our preaching series for Advent uh, called Arrival. Uh, we're going to be, uh, throughout this season of Advent, preparing to celebrate, preparing for Christ's arrival. Um, Advent is this very much past, present, and future season of the church year. It has, has distinctive elements to us of the past and in the present and of the future. We look back at the past and, and we celebrate what God has done uh, in Christ as we head toward Christmas, as we head toward the celebration of his first coming and his arrival in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. We look forward to the future when Christ will come again, when he will arrive a second time, coming back to restore all things. And we prepare here in the present, in the present, to meet Christ, to invite Christ, to anticipate Christ, engaging with us by making room and making space in our lives for him to enter in, in the places that we need a touch from him, that we need him to meet us and to intervene in those places where we long to know his living presence. And so over these next four Sundays, we'll be looking specifically this year at the themes of Advent, what each of the candles in our Advent wreath represent, what they are, what they mean, so that we not only kind of go through the motions of the season, but we join our theology with our practice. We join our understanding with the things that we do, both here on Sundays as we light these candles, but also hopefully as you're going through your devotions in your own life or in the life of your family. And so we'll be looking at the themes of hope and love and peace and joy. Today we begin with the first candle, the first theme of Advent, and that is the theme of hope. Everybody say hope. Hope, hope is where we begin the Advent season. Probably important for us to begin with an understanding of what hope is not. Because I think there's a lot of confusion in our culture about this, this hope word. We use it a lot, but I think it means something very different generally for people uh, than it does in the scripture. Most people, when they say, I hope, really mean, I wish. Like, I, I kind of wish something would happen. It's a, a kind of optimistic, wishful thinking that maybe something would go my way and, and happen the way I think it ought and the way it should it may or may not have to do with reality. It's kind of a magical word, you know? Like, when you wish upon a star, I'm going to put my hope there. I blow out the candles on my cake, and I make a birthday wish, something I hope for me or I wish for me. Remember the nursery rhyme? The first time you see a star in the evening. Anybody remember the rhyme? Starlight, star bright. 
I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. That's kind of the idea of hope for most people. Well done, by the way. Some of you remember your nursery rhymes. It's, it's more like luck almost. Kind of like, I, I, you know, I know I'm not going to win the lottery on the Powerball multi-millions, but, but you know, take a chance, maybe. That, that's how I think most people think of hope, is a kind of wishful, optimistic, you might get lucky kind of a thing. When the scripture, though, speaks about hope, it always speaks about hope in terms of certainty, in terms of solidness, in terms of trustworthiness, something guaranteed. It always involves faith. It will involve belief, but it has a groundedness to it that you can count on. It's more like an anchor than a wish. In fact, in in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 6, verse 19, these words are spoken. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Our hope as Christians in Christ is like an anchor for our souls, right? It holds no matter how bad things may get. See, biblical hope is not a wishful optimism that goes, well, you know, things aren't that bad or things aren't challenging. No, it looks squarely at the fact that things often are incredibly challenging, incredibly difficult, and yet it holds firm anyway because of what it's grounded in, and that is Jesus. It's interesting that the early Christians, especially in the first and second centuries in Rome, who were experiencing profound persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they actually used the symbol of an anchor more than they did the symbol of the cross. Or you would see an anchor tied to a cross as a way of expressing their hope that they were living by. I mean, think about this. Put yourself in that that place for a moment. You're a first century Christian. You're living in Rome. The emperor has decreed that Christians will be killed. And you've recently had, I don't know, two, three, four friends, maybe a couple of family members who have been taken off to jail. Others have been burned at the stake. Some have been thrown to the lions or even crucified. What is it that you need in the midst of that? Well, the symbol of the anchor was used so that they would ground themselves in the hope that as bad as it might be, Jesus was even greater, that Jesus would hold them through it all. And so those Christians would be reminded that every storm that they might face in the world could be navigated because something was stable. Something would hold them. Something would be firm. And I think, isn't that when we need hope the most? It's when everything is falling apart, when you're you're overwhelmed by the situations you face. Perhaps it's a situation in your family. It's a situation in your business. You can't figure out how in the world you're going to pay for whatever has occurred. Perhaps the medical bills have gone up, right? You're, you're looking at next year's budget in your business and you're going, how in the world are we going to generate enough income to continue growing? Those are the times when we need to be grounded and anchored in hope. How about when your child is struggling somewhere? The temptation is to panic or to run and try to fix everything rather than grounding yourself in biblical hope and in Christ. Uh, Our gospel lesson, you know, it might seem kind of weird to start Advent with an Easter passage, 
But we did that intentionally because it's in the resurrection of Jesus, ultimately, that our hope is grounded. And so think about these two disciples as they're walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They have been through a roller coaster of disappointment. They've been through all sorts of emotional ups and downs in the last week, from the high, high, high point of Jesus being named Messiah on Palm Sunday to the low, low, low depths of his crucifixion on Good Friday. And now, Easter Day, the third day, they've heard reports back from some of the other disciples that he's alive. They've heard reports from the women that they've seen angels and he's not in the tomb. And as they're walking those seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, you can imagine what the conversation is like. We've all been in those places when things are out of control, when you have no idea what to make of things, you can't help but talk and hash things over and do the, yeah, but what about that? And remember this, and how about that? And of course, they're Middle Eastern, so they're very expressive. It's probably a very animated walk, those seven miles, <laughs> moving back and forth in the stages of grief, from hopelessness to anger to, but what about? But maybe, and they're struggling, and it's in the midst of that that Jesus shows up. And of course, they don't recognize him at first. They don't know it's him. In some way, the Lord has kept them from seeing who he truly is. As they're baffled, discussing it, what does he do? He grounds their hope in the promises of God given in the scriptures. And, and that's something that we need to understand. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's always grounded in the character of God who speaks who makes promises and has given us a revelation, an understanding of who he is through the Bible, through his word. Look at what Jesus says there in your gospel lesson, right? They're, they're really struggling. Look at verse 21. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. That's past tense. So their hopes are dashed. They're discouraged. They're disappointed. They don't know what to do. Things are out of their control. Verse 25, what does he do? He said to them, oh, foolish ones. And I, I suspect it's not a harsh rebuke. It, it's that, oh, you guys are silly. Really? Oh, foolish ones. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He takes them to the scriptures. He takes them to the revelation of God, the God who cannot lie. God cannot lie. That would be a contradiction in terms of God's very self. Biblical hope is always grounded in scripture based on God's word because God makes promises. And he makes those promises not only so that we can know him, but also so that along the way as he fulfills those promises to the world and to us individually, we can then know him in a deep and powerful way. You know, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 promises that are made by God to people through the scriptures that are designed to help us to have hope, to rest in him, in who he is. What are you struggling with? And some of you, everything's happy-go-lucky today. Praise God. 
that might change. Others in the room are, are struggling. What are you struggling with? God's hope, his word, can speak into that situation in your life. Um, for those who don't know my story, um, my parents were divorced, or my mother was divorced multiple times. And so there was a lot of upheaval, upheaval in my life as a child. Um, my father was an alcoholic, so um, there were lots of broken promises. He had PTSD undiagnosed from his service time as an infantryman in Vietnam, and so he medicated with alcohol. I mean, that's, that's self-medication. Unfortunately, what came along with that was a lot of broken promises, a lot of heartache for a young child. And I can remember when I came to Christ, I, I was both joyful because I had met God but I also suddenly had all this stuff surfacing from my past and particularly related to my father, my stepfather, and then a third father that came along. So a lot of kind of crazy in my childhood. And I remember reading in the Psalms one day and the word of God almost jumped off the page. God said, I will not leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Though your mother and father forsake you, I will not forsake you. And I, I realized in that moment that was a word of God for me specifically in the place that I needed it the most deeply, in a place where I was walking through life operating from abandonment, operating from rejection, operating from this fear of the people around me are going to leave me or somehow things will get out of control. So I was working really, really hard to make sure everything worked out right. And God was saying, no, no, Chris, ground your hope in me. Ground your hope in my character, in my trustworthiness, in my word. And he spoke directly to what I needed. A promise of scripture became hope for me, an anchor in the midst of my life that I've gone back to over and over and over again. It's the very thing Jesus does with those guys. He takes them to the scriptures to show how the scriptures speak into their situation and show that all these things had to happen in order uh, for God's will to be done and for the plan of God to play out. Where do you need hope today? What promise of God have you held on to? Because some of you have held on to some promises of God, and I just want to remind you this morning, he's spoken, and you have heard, and you have grasped those things. And the word of the Lord to you today is, hold firm, don't run off, stay grounded, I will not forsake you. Hold firm. His promises are true because they're built upon his character in your health, in your children's lives, in your finances, wherever it is. His word will hold like that anchor. Place your hope in Christ as we enter Advent. Hope is to be a foundation in the lives of the people of God in the church. And notice what else happens along the way. Not only does Jesus reveal himself through the scriptures, not only does he show them that the scriptures point to him, but he then opens up, right, and shows them who he is in the breaking of the bread. And we're going to do that in a few moments. We're, and this is why it's important for us to be in church each week. It's not just to show up. It's, it's because he wants to reveal himself to us in the breaking of bread, right? Through these simple elements of bread and wine. He wants to show us along the way that our hope can rest in him, right? That through a cup of wine, 
and through this semi-tasteless bread, <laughs> we have a pointer to what he has done. Right? He takes the bread and he blesses the bread and he gives the bread and their eyes are opened. Along the way, each week we celebrate through these elements that Jesus has gone to a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But he didn't stay dead. We have the hope of the resurrection. And as we come in faith, as we come to meet with him, and we do so in community together, the Holy Spirit has a way of meeting us. I don't know what that looks like each week, and it's often different. Sometimes it'll be when that scripture comes alive. Sometimes it'll be that moment as we're all actually engaging our hearts, singing together in worship when there's that, oh, what is that feeling? Or you'll suddenly have a tear running down your cheek. You're like, what is that? That's the presence of the Lord. And I find for me personally, it often happens as I'm breaking that bread. It's often in the, what we call the, the fraction and the snapping of the bread itself. That I, that I viscerally, whoa, I've just entered into something bigger than me. And bigger than us. That Christians all over the world are doing, even at this time. Meeting the Christ who's alive. He's alive. And our hope rests upon that, that death is not the last word. That our bodies, which will fall apart over time, that our looks, which will go, that our hair, which will fall out, that our minds, which will become lesser and lesser in their abilities, that is not the last word. The resurrected Jesus, the hope of eternity, is the word of victory. So our hope looks back, rests in the word, has a present tense reality as God is with us, and it is secure into a future that will never end. This is the hope of a Christian. Let's rest in it today. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to this word, as we come to your table, as we sing our songs of praise As we offer you our prayers, we do not worship a dead Savior, but a living Lord. And so, Jesus, as we enter Advent this morning, as we enter this season of waiting for your arrival, would you meet us? Would you meet us today? Would you remind us today? And Lord, would you help us to build space for you in the weeks ahead? And everything else is going to try to draw us away from you. Would you help us to draw near? We pray this, Lord, that as we arrive at Christmas, it'll be more than just presence. It'll be the dawning of hope in our hearts. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.